When I was a very little girl, I decided that my doll needed a haircut. And it seemed like a very good idea. But when I saw her, with only a few wispy bits of hair left sticking out of from her head, I realised that I'd been wrong. In fact, I had ruined my lovely doll. What was my first instinct? Hide her from mum. (laughs) We humans are often like that, aren't we? When we've done the wrong thing, we try to hide it. Shame and fear become part of our lives. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. The serpent told Eve that she'd be better off if she ate the forbidden fruit. And the serpent said that she'd be like God if she ate. So she decided to disobey God and to do it. And she persuaded Adam to join her. And then when it was done for the first time, they felt shame and they felt fear. Disobedience to God brings shame and fear. So instead of enjoying fellowship with God, now they tried to hide from God and they tried to cover themselves with clothing that they'd made from leaves. Human beings haven't really changed. We still listen to the voice of Satan when he tells us, God said this, but you know better than that, don't you? God told us how he wants us to live. But what's in the Bible is old-fashioned and narrow-minded. Satan promises to show us a more tolerant and loving way of living our lives. And we still try to solve our problems with our own limited and inadequate solutions. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves over with leaves. Not a very adequate answer to their problem. And we try to do the same kind of thing. But have you noticed that often when human beings try to fix something, they actually create another and sometimes worse problem? We just have to look around, don't we, at all the things that happen and we see how men keep, and women, keep messing things up. God told these people that if they ate the the fruit of the tree of knowledge, they'd die. Human beings were meant to live forever. But now, because of sin, they would die. Not immediately, but they would die. And they lost that perfect harmony that they had between God themselves and the beautiful garden that he'd made for them. The consequences of sin brought hard and unrelenting work, pain, relationship difficulties between people. Sin would always spoil the beauty of their lives from then on. So in this passage that we had read this morning, we see God driving Adam and Eve out of the garden. Some people see this as punishment, and it was, as no longer could they enjoy that lush and fertile place, the Garden of Eden. So this was justice for their wrongdoing. But in it, we also see the evidence of God's mercy. They would not be allowed to stay in case they ate the fruit of the tree of life and lived forever. Can you think of anything worse than living in this world where sin and pain, broken relationships with each other and with God are rampant? Would you like to live forever right here? I don't think so. So God was merciful in preventing this from happening. God's great salvation plan was even then in his mind and in his actions. 
A day would come when people would live forever as he intended, in perfect communion with him and in harmony with each other, worshipping and praising him for eternity. Another evidence of God's mercy was that was also a foreshadowing of greater things to come. And that was God's provision for these two weak, sinful human beings of clothing made from the skin of an animal. For the first time, an animal was sacrificed to meet the needs of human beings. God's mercy shines through in the midst of his justice. Much later, the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61 verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. God clothes us in his own righteousness and we who are made unholy by our sin are made righteous and beautiful in God's eyes, like a beautifully clothed bridegroom or bride. It's not something we can do for ourselves. Our best efforts are just like filthy rags. And God does it for us when we commit ourselves to him. And in Galatians 3, verse 27, we're told something even more wonderful. It says, For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ, We put on Christ when we're baptised. We're dressed in Christ, covering us, protecting us, making us into the beautiful thing that is the righteousness of God. Adam and Eve messed things up. We messed things up. But God in his mercy sent Jesus to restore what was spoiled. And what follows is spelled out for us in Colossians 3. Verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Jew, Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So we put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit who's in us and the mercy of God who clothes us, the evil behaviours that came into the world when Adam and Eve sinned. And when we followed along and did likewise, anything that does not grow us into the image of God has to be discarded. Our actions, our thoughts that don't reflect Christ are to be put off, thrown away, put to death. And Colossians 3.12 tells us what will replace those things. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So as we put off the old behaviours and put on the new, prejudice and racism between human beings is also removed. And once again we become one, together, the body of Christ. In Christ, we're not Australians, Africans, Filipino, Chinese, Aboriginal, Iraqi, Nivans. In Christ, we're all just simply children of God. Called to love one another, to lift up the weak, and to be at peace with one another, forgiving one another freely. It's good for us to reflect, to look at our own attitudes. How are you going with forgiving hurts or perceived insults, both inside and outside the church? Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 reminds us, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. We need to constantly check our thoughts and our attitudes. Is there something you've allowed to grow in your mind that has become rooted and bitter? Perhaps you feel wronged by other people and you're holding on to your right to be angry and to be hurt. Let it go. Put it to death. We are called to be holy. We're called to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. We're called to put on compassion, kindness, meekness and patience. Thank God for his mercy to you and to me as we look at the way we sometimes cling to unholy attitudes. We're clothed with Christ, with a robe of righteousness when we put our faith in Christ. So how does God help us to become what we are in him? Colossians tells us that too. In verses 16 and 17, it says, So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These verses show us some tools to help us to become what God wants us to be. First of all, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need to be reading God's word often. We hear this all the time, don't we? But it's true. We can't get away from it. Dwell on the word of God. Memorise it. Think about it. Perhaps write a prayer from what you read. Sometimes I draw and colour special verses. I'm not an artist, so it's nothing special, but I'm just showing you what I do. But I do that for the reason, not because I want to make a beautiful picture, because I'm incapable of doing that, but what I want to do is to memorise or think about this verse. And so while I write it and then I colour it, I'm looking at it, I'm reading it, I'm thinking it. It's going in to my mind. And that's, that helps me to um, meditate. I, when I try to meditate, sometimes I think about everything else but what I'm trying to meditate on. And so if I'm actually doing something, it helps me. So I'm just sharing that with you. Maybe it will help you. 
We need to not only think about these things, but then to act on the things that God says in his word. Then it says, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. To do that, I've joined a group of people who are studying God's word together. And I love my study group, and I learn from them as together we read the word of God and we discuss the things that it says. I learn a lot from the, from the other people in my group. Then it says, sing hymns and spiritual songs. The word of a psalm or a good hymn or a song can go with you right through your day and remind you of God's word. It's really hard to stay grumpy if you're walking around singing, give thanks with a grateful heart. It just doesn't work. So be thankful to God is the final one. Be thankful to God in your hearts. You'll reflect the beauty of Christ when you continually give thanks to God. Give thanks to him for your salvation, for your food, your clothing, your friends, your home, family, church. There's so many things we can give thanks for. Focus on what is good and pure and lovely and it will make you into a new person. Okay, let's get back to Adam and Eve. The first animal sacrifice in the Bible was done by God to clothe a pair of sinful human beings, to cover the shame that came because of their sin. It was the beginning of a theme that we see right through the Bible. Cain and Abel offered sacrifices. Abel's was acceptable to God and Cain's was not. Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac as an offering. And when God saw Abraham's obedience, he provided a ram to be sacrificed instead of Isaac. In the time of Moses, God instituted a detailed system of animal sacrifices to deal with the people's sin, to bear their punishment by dying instead of the people. But all of this was leading up to the one perfect sacrifice who was to come. And Hebrews 10 verse 1 tells us that the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. And then he goes on to tell us, he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. And later he says in verse 14, for by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are new creations. And the image of God that was created in us in the first people is being perfected in us again. We're being transformed into the likeness of our perfect saviour as we continue to look into his face. But there's still a sacrifice that God does want us to make. And it's not a bull and it's not a goat. It's the sacrifice of ourselves. In Romans 12.1 we we read, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the ways and behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God wants you 
And he wants me, totally. This is going to mean giving up some of our personal wants and wishes and even the things that we're entitled to. My home group is currently watching a video series that shows how the gospel has been spread around the world and we've been humbled and deeply impressed by the sacrifices that early missionaries made to get the gospel out. Lots of them died. Their children and their spouses died. They were imprisoned or killed and they left home knowing that they may never see their families again. Some gave up fame and fortune and careers. Some nearly died in famines with the people who were around them. Some suffered serious illnesses because they took seriously these verses in Romans 12. They didn't say, yes, Lord, I'll give you everything, but not my children. Yes, Lord, I'll go anywhere as long as it's safe. Yes, Lord, I'll serve you as long as I get a decent salary. When God spoke, these people simply went with no guarantees except the presence of God. And Christians all over the world today are offering themselves as living sacrifices. The group called Open Doors describes the kind of persecution that many are undergoing. For some, it's a denial of basic needs like clean water, food and health care because of their faith in Jesus. For some, it's rejection from their non-Christian family and community. For some, it's, Christian pers- it's persecution in acts of physical violence, imprisonment and even death. And for some, it's all of those. But through it all, many are not just hanging in there. They're actively sharing the gospel with other people despite the penalties that they face. Looking back over my life, I can see that whatever I've sacrificed for God, and really it wasn't much when I look at some of these other people, he's given me so many blessings in return. When you give yourself to God, the fellowship with him, the blessing of his presence in your life is worth everything. And so today I'd just like to challenge you, present yourself to him as a living sacrifice. See where God takes you and how he will use you for his glory. Don't try to hold on to your life. Remember Jesus' words. He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. We're going to finish by singing the the song, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. And if you wanted to commit your life again or even for the first time publicly to God, feel free to come to the front and we will pray with you.